everybody, Steve Matthews here with my first annual Thanksgiving Day live stream. Uh, yeah, I haven't advertised this a whole lot simply because, well, I've not really done this a whole lot. I don't want to make uh, look too goofy when I'm on camera. So I think what they call that in business, they call it a soft open, you know, when you're you're just trying to work out the kinks and you you kind of kind of open up, but you do it on the down low. You don't do a lot of advertising so you don't get run over with customers and that sort of thing. And then, you know, after you've, you've done it for a while at that point, then you can start, you know, making a uh, making things a little bit more public. Uh, anyway, uh, hi to everybody who who is watching. This is Steve Matthews. And I just I, I wanted to to take a time take the time here today to to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. Of course, Thanksgiving this is this is Wednesday evening, Wednesday, November twenty fifth, and tomorrow, Thursday, November twenty sixth is is Thanksgiving. And, and you know, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. I've always loved Thanksgiving. It's where everybody gets to be a Puritan for the day. <laughs> and and as a as a as a Reformed Christian, as a as a as a Calvinist, I, I like that. You know, I, I, I you know, it's 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 very easy to uh, to identify with the the Puritans who came to the United States first in in 1620, and and it was actually the following year. It was in in 1621 that they had the first Thanksgiving. You know the the Pilgrims, the Mayflower. You know the famous Mayflower. They landed in you know what's now Plymouth, Massachusetts, in on the December twenty first, sixteen twenty. So in just a little bit less than a month, it's going to be four hundred years since the Pilgrims landed in the United States, or what was to become the United States. That's a big deal, um, and there really hasn't been a whole lot said about it. Uh, it's actually kind of surprising. Well, you know, maybe in today's political environment, maybe it's not all that surprising. I don't know. Um, but it's really, to me, it's a little bit surprising that there hasn't been a bigger deal made of that than there has. Yeah, you know, I remember back in 1992 when they were was celebrating the 500th anniversary of Christopher Columbus landing and discovery of the New World. That was a pretty big deal, and there are there is all there are all kinds of uh, festivals and. Uh, displays and special programs and things that were put on. That was a, a, a very big deal, the 500th anniversary of Christopher Columbus. But here we are at the 400th anniversary of, of the, the Mayflower landing in, uh, landing in Plymouth. And almost no, nothing said about that. I think probably a lot of people don't even realize that it's the 400th anniversary of that. So I wanted to take time to mention that as part of my, my Thanksgiving special. Now, as I mentioned, the, the first Thanksgiving wasn't held in 1620. It wasn't held actually until 1621, the, the following year. And it, it is. It's a, it's a very Puritan holiday, which is certainly, I think, one of the things as a Christian is, is very attractive to me. Now, a little bit more on the history of Thanksgiving. The it wasn't celebrated nationally until 1777, and at that time, the Continental Congress proclaimed the first national Thanksgiving Day. That was in 1777. Uh, after the Revolutionary War and, and after the United States was formed, a number of early presidents proclaimed a national Thanksgiving. Uh, George Washington, um, Adams, uh, Monroe. But the custom did, did fall out of use. I think Thomas Jefferson wasn't a big fan of it. I think he felt that it was too much of a... a uh, a blending of church and state in, in his view. And so he didn't push that. And so it, it kind of, I, I think, fell out of use 
uh, apparently under under Thomas Jefferson, who was the the fourth president of the United States. However, in 1827, I, I found out that a, a woman by the name of Sarah Josepha Hale began work on on making it once again a national holiday, and she petitioned presidents. She spent a lot of time working on this from 1827, beginning in 1827, and then later. And it wasn't until 1863 that she actually had some success. So, I mean, what's that, uh, what, uh, 36, 36 uh, years later? Uh, Abraham Lincoln in 1863 once again proclaimed a national th- uh, day of Thanksgiving. And let me read you a little bit. This is from Abraham Lincoln's 1863 proclamation. This was actually a speech or a, a, a proclamation. It was written by the Secretary of State, uh, Seward. His first name, for whatever reason, is escaping me right now, but his last name was Seward. And he's the one that actually wrote this, but it was, it was put out um, by Abraham Lincoln. And I'll read you just the last few paragraphs of this. So here we go. Quote, It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also, with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience, commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged, and fervently implore the inter- interposition, interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as it may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, Tranquility and union. In testimony whereof I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed. Then at the city of Washington, this third day of October, in the year of our Lord, 1863, and of the independence of the United States, the 88th, by President Abraham Lincoln. End quote. So that's, um, I, I think, a uh, quite a uh, an eloquent Thanksgiving Day Proclamation from 1863. Here's something more recent. In fact, this was just from from yesterday. There was a quote that I found out on Twitter by Thomas Sowell. Now, Thomas Sowell, if, if you don't know who that is, he... He is, uh, he, well, by trade, he's an economist, but for years and years and years, probably a good 30 years, maybe longer, I don't know, but at least about 30 years, he was also a very public intellectual. He was a columnist, and he was uh, widely syndicated throughout the country, and I think he retired from writing about four years ago, and he's fairly elderly now. He may be, um, I think, getting close to about 90 or so. Uh, but he's one of the the most insightful writers I think I've ever read, and and certainly I think also just from a uh, style standpoint, I think he's also one of the best uh, commentators and writers that I've ever read. It seems like he has just a gift for for writing and for speaking in ways that are are both clear and and memorable. And this was a tweet that Thomas Sowell put out. This was just from from yesterday here, and he said this quote: "Thanksgiving may be our most old fashioned holiday." Gratitude itself seems out of date at a time when so many people feel entitled to whatever they get and indignant that they didn't get more, end quote. 
And that's some good stuff there. I, I've always, I've always uh, really just admired Thomas Sowell and his work, his, uh, uh, his uh, intellectual integrity and, and brilliance, and 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 really again just his writing. And I think he really captures the uh, the thank- Thanksgiving, what it's about, uh, and and I think also why. Maybe it clashes so much with uh, with the uh, certain uh, with the spirit the the spirit of our particular time. It seems a bit out of place, but it most certainly isn't out of place. In fact, it's it's maybe most necessary that idea of gratitude, and I think that's something as Christians that that we certainly need to uh, to ourselves talk about and project and live and believe. We need to be thankful. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I'm 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 a good griper. I'm a good complainer. I'm really good at griping. Um, Thanksgiving, yeah, well, maybe not so much. You know, sometimes I struggle with Thanksgiving. So that's something when I say that I need to work on that too. And in in the spirit of of Thanksgiving, here's a, a few things that I I did want to to talk about. Um, some things that I'm thankful for. Now, so what am I thankful for? Well, I, I guess maybe for starters, and as a Christian, I, I really do have to say this, I'm thankful for salvation in Christ Jesus, the unmerited forgiveness of my sins uh, through faith in Christ alone. And that's, you know, that that's not something that I earned. You know, I didn't earn God's favor. It's not because there's anything particularly great about Steve Matthews or particularly wonderful uh, about Steve Matthews. Far from it. You know, I'm a sinner. And, and I'm lost and separated from God by nature. But by his grace, he reached out to me. And he called me to himself and he caused me to believe the truth. The truth of the gospel, and not just the gospel only, what, what Christ has done for me, what Christ has done to save sinners. But also he's taught me so many wonderful things in his word. And it's just amazing the, the riches and the wisdom uh, of the word of God. So I'm thankful for that in the first place. I'm thankful also to be born an American and have the opportunity to worship God freely. You know, this past year I had something really interesting happen. Uh, my dad, he's kind of the, the family genealogist, and, and he loves to, to go and study genealogy and pour over things. Well, he's done this for years and years, and he finally, this past year, he connected some things up that he always kind of suspected, but he, he was able to confirm and validate this. And, and kind of an interesting story. It's kind of how my family history is, is kind of bound up with the United States when I say I'm, I'm thankful to be born an American. Uh, and, and this isn't the only reason, but it, it, it's certainly, it, it's, it, it's one reason, uh, I'll say that, to have the opportunity to be an American. There, he found out, I was talking about some of our early ancestors in the United States. Or actually, they came over before uh, before there was a the United States. And uh, my ancestors, our ancestors in my family, they were Virginians. And it turns out that there was a, uh, you may have read in, in your history books, there was a uh, something called the French Indian War that broke out in 1754. And it was, was fought um, substantially by uh, by the British Army, you know, it was in the colonies at the time, and uh, and also some some colonists uh, as as well. But the the first battle in uh, in the French Indian War took place in in Pennsylvania, and in this first battle there was a, a contingent of about oh four hundred or so British troops under the command of a. Uh, of a young buck colonel, uh, some 22-year-old kid, <laughs> essentially, by the name of George Washington. 
And as part of the, the British contingent, there were 40 Virginia militiamen that had come up. And this was in, uh, in southwest, uh, southwest Pennsylvania. And they were, uh, they came in as reinforcements and they were fighting against a combined French and Indian force of, uh, around 800 or so men. Well, anyway, they, they built a fort. It's called Fort Necessity. And as things went, the, uh, the, uh, the French side, the French Indian side, they won. Uh, they, uh, they shot up the, uh, the British and, uh, and, uh, the Virginian garrison pretty badly. There were a lot of casualties. Uh, but they, um, they did give, uh, George Washington his men terms of surrender and they were able to, to leave. But what was interesting was when Dad was doing some research, he found a, there was a certain, one of the Virginians, one of the Virginian militiamen that came up was, was named William Bailey. And William Bailey had a brother uh, there also whose name was Henry Bailey. So they were the Bailey brothers, and they were, were part of that 40-man Virginia contingent that, that came up to, to assist the, uh, the British troops. Well, as it turned out, you know, as I said, there were a lot of uh, – there's pretty heavy, heavy losses on the, uh, on the British side. And uh, one of the, the men who was killed there was, uh, was William Bailey. His brother survived. His brother was injured pretty, uh, was injured and, uh, and went on to, uh, survive the war. But, uh, but William was killed. But he was killed. Even though he was killed, he was survived by a son. He had a son by the name of Josephus, Josephus Bailey. Now, what's interesting is, a little bit over 20 years later. So this was in 1754 is when they fought this particular battle. That was when the French Indian War started. Well, just a little bit over 20 years later, Josephus Bailey, William's son, he also served under George Washington. Only this time, it wasn't Colonel Washington. It was, was General George Washington of the, the Continental Army. And uh, they were fighting in the, the American Revolution. Well, the, the records show that, uh, that Josephus served in a, a Virginia regiment during the war and he died in February, 1777. Now I don't know that we have a lot of details at this point about why he died. Um, but he died in February of 1777. So fairly early on in the war, which of course had just begun the, the year before, but before he died, or I should say he was survived by, he had a daughter by the name of Mary Ann Bailey. And Mary Ann Bailey went on, to marry a certain John Matthews of Amherst County, Virginia. Well, John Matthews, John and Marianne Matthews are my five times great grandparents. So that's, uh, that, that's a, an interesting tie in. You know, when you talk about, you, you see your, your family history sort of intersect with, with, uh, with American history. And, uh, and so, yeah, I had two generations of my family that actually served under George Washington and that, uh, um, yeah, that's, that, that's pretty neat to find those sorts of things out. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for dad's work as a genealogist. So I can add that to the things I'm, I'm thankful for that. That was, was really very meaningful. We had the opportunity to go up and actually see the battlefield where, uh, where the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the Bailey brothers fought, um, uh, alongside the British. And so that was, that was very interesting this past summer to go see that. And I'm thankful to be born in America, not just to be born in America, but to, to live in this country and to enjoy the freedoms that we have, to have uh, the, the freedom of speech, the freedom of, of, of religion, the right to bear, to keep and bear arms, to have these, these constitutionally guaranteed rights. They're given to us by God, but they're guaranteed in the Constitution. You know, the government doesn't give us our rights to speak. Uh, the government doesn't give us our rights to, to own guns. 
the government simply acknowledges that those rights exist and has put those into a written document, a constitution. I'm very thankful for the Constitution of the United States of America. I'm very thankful for the work of Gordon Clark and John Robbins. Those of you who maybe have followed their work as part of the Trinity Foundation, uh, what the, the both of them together they've sort of developed uh, the the philosophy of scripturalism, the idea that the the Bible has a systematic monopoly on truth. And you know, every everything that I do, you know, I've I've had the opportunity to to blog to be a blogger now for about the last eleven years. Well, everything that I've done, just about everything that, in fact, I'd say pretty much everything that I've done over the past eleven years in terms of writing or speaking or or podcasting or even live streaming, has really been influenced by their work in, in some way or the other, uh, whether it's it's overt and I'm quoting them or whether it's even uh, maybe below the surface and just in, in terms of guiding my thoughts and, and giving me a, a uh, an intellectual framework in which to view things. I mean, the, the work that Gordon Clark and John Robbins did was just, was just wonderful and amazing stuff. If you've never read their work, if you've never seen them, if you've never uh, had a chance to, to experience um, the, uh, their writings, I would really encourage you, go check out the Trinity Foundation. It's trinityfoundation.org. There's tons of essays out there. There's uh, MP3 lectures, all kinds of great stuff, uh, books you can buy. And so I, I would really encourage you to go, uh, to go check out the Trinity Foundation if you think you might be interested in that. I'm thankful for social media. Now, I know maybe that sounds a little bit weird, but, <laughs> you know, the, social media is an amazing thing. I mean, tech is, tech can be absolutely amazing. I mean, just like what I'm doing here right now, I, I'm live streaming and I'm doing this on multiple platforms at once with a, a program, a, a new thing that I actually just found out about. It's called Restream and it lets you do, let you go live on multiple platforms. Very, very cool stuff. Now, now I'm old enough to be impressed by that. Okay, now you know maybe if if you're younger, maybe if you're a, a you know a millennial or a Zoomer or something, you might say, "Oh, Steve, you're just some old fuddy duddy." You know, I've got a couple of good friends, uh, Tim Shaughnessy, uh, Carlos Montillo. You know, the, you know these guys are. I guess you call them millennials, I suppose. They were born in the '80s. Uh, thereabouts. And uh, so, yeah, I guess they would be millennials and they probably think I'm an old fuddy duddy, uh, but I'm not a boomer. You know, you hear these, these, uh, there's that uh, saying out there, they talk about boomer tech, right? You know, and, and that's, that's a term they use to make fun of, you know, old fuddy duddies, you know, who, you know, grew up, you know, using 45 RPM records and 33s, you know, vinyl and eight track tapes and stuff like this. And they have a hard time getting a hang of, you know, uh, podcasting and YouTube and, you know, live streaming and all this other stuff. Well, I'm not a boomer. I swear I'm not a boomer. I'm actually a Gen Xer, um, which actually means I don't exist. Yeah. I didn't realize this until a few years ago, but it, apparently Gen X people don't exist. Now, Gen X, you know, so what's Gen X? Well, usually, Generally, demographers will will identify Gen X as people born between 1965 and 1980. Usually, that, that's what I've seen. Yeah, you you see some slight variations on that, but that's, those are generally the the dates that are used for that. Well, it's kind of funny when you you look at different surveys and things like that. They say, oh, you know, a certain you know, let, let's let's break down people's views on a particular you know political issue by by generations, you know, and they talk about the silent generation. You know, those are people born between before World War Two. And those are my parents, for example. And then they talk about the baby boomers. You know, those are people who were born, you know, from 1950 to 
1946 to you know, around 1964. Then all of a sudden they start talking about people born from 1981 to 1990-something. You know, you know, you know, those are the millennials, right? And then they start talking about the, the Zoomers. And it's like, I want to say, you know, excuse me, hey, hey, excuse me, what about all those people born between 1965 and 1980? Do they not exist? There's like 65 million people, they, they just don't exist. Well, <laughs> you know, apparently for the marketers and the demographers and the pollsters and, and people that like that out there, apparently we don't exist. You know, it's amazing how many times you see things in, uh, you know, like I say, see polls and, and various surveys and things. And they, compl- you know, they talk about the boomers, they talk about the millennials and yeah, those people that were born, the, the, the Xers, eh, they don't exist. <laughs> so anyway, I don't exist. So if you don't like my, my, my live stream, you can just say, well, he doesn't exist anyway. Just Steve. He, he's some Gen Xer and Gen X doesn't exist. <laughs> Apparently. Um, but anyway, I, I'm, I'm thankful for social media, you know, back to my point because, uh, I'm still old enough. You know, I, I didn't grow up with this stuff. You know, I didn't grow up with the internet. No, I, I didn't. I mean, the, the, that stuff wasn't, I mean, there were computers around, but, um, you know, really personal computers were just becoming a thing in the early eighties. I remember when I was in high school, they had a, a little computer lab there at school. I, I never did anything with it. And I remember, um, my dad bought a computer. It was a PC junior. I think it was in 1984 and paid quite a bit of money for it. Uh, in fact, more than what you would pay for a computer today that's, you know, probably uh, many, 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 many multiples <laughs> more powerful than what that computer was. Uh, and it ran on DOS and it didn't really have, I don't know if it had any memory at all. I don't think it did. You used to use those five-inch floppy drives. Anyway, but that, that's what I grew up on. That's what I started on. And I remember when I was even in college, you know, I had a, a little dot matrix printer. And there, it, you always had to find out from your professors whether they would accept dot matrix printing or not because some would and some wouldn't because you know the it was those dot matrix things and they're a little bit harder to read it wasn't what we would call letter quality now and of course now you can go out and you can pay you know less than 100 bucks and you can get a decent letter quality printer uh, that'll uh, that looks great but that uh, printers were very very expensive and they they used track feed and all this other stuff anyway I shouldn't be going on about old old school tech, but that that's what I grew up on. So I didn't have the internet. I didn't have all of this amazing stuff. And you know, I know there's a lot of negative things that go on about social media. You know, there's there's the censorship issue. That's a serious problem. And and I don't want to pretend that that doesn't exist. You know, there's there's problems with people putting terrible things on social media things they say or things they show and things that shouldn't be out there. I mean, these, these are issues and, and they're problems. There's no question about it, but you know, technology is just amazing. I mean, it's amazing how we can get on online and, and share ideas and, and videos and, uh, and uh, audio files and, and just, just all kinds of things. I, I can, I've, I've gotten to be friends with people as a reason, um, say on, from the blog that I've been writing, I've been writing a blog now for 11 years. There's a, a gentleman that I've gotten to know. He lives on the, literally on the other side of the world. He lives in Australia and he and I have become good friends. And it's almost as if we're next door neighbors, you know, but we can get on and we can do a Skype call or do a Facebook call or something like this. And I, I have to say, I'm still blown away by that. I'm old enough that I think, wow, that's, that's an amazing thing because there was a time and for a pretty good chunk of my life that wasn't possible. So yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful for social media and, and the amazing power that that can put into the hand to all of our hands. 
to have us to give us a voice, to have us the opportunity to speak out uh, in ways that I mean, you know, prior to the advent of social media, I mean, the only way you could really get a message out, I mean, you know, maybe if you owned a, a newspaper or maybe if you owned a radio station or a television station, or I mean, it was very expensive and it was very difficult, and it wasn't something that just anybody can do. But I mean, quite literally, anybody can set up a blog, anybody can go live on Facebook or YouTube or, or something like that. Anybody can do that. I mean, it's in through each of all of us. And it's been an amazing revolution that puts power in, in our hands, you know, regular people, you know, we have the opportunity to do things that, that we never would have had before. So yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful for social media. I'm very thankful for the opportunity to, to have blogged and, and now, you know, moved into uh, things like podcasting and, and doing videos. You know, it's, it's, been, it was interesting. I, I started blogging in 2009, and I was kind of a, an off and on blogger for for a good for a good while. And you know, I, I'd write when I could, and maybe the months would go by, and I wouldn't have a post. And I remember in you know in uh, in 2014, in the fall of 2014, I, I prayed to God and I said, I want to want to be more intentional about my blogging, about my writing, and, and I prayed to Him that He would give me the strength, the opportunity to write regularly and, and, and even more specifically to be able to at least produce one thing a week, to be at least write once a week. Now, maybe I could do it more often, but I, I prayed to him specifically. I want to be able to write once a week. And you know, he's honored that prayer. Here we are six years later, and I can tell you I have not missed a week in that six years. Now, sometimes I've written more or less, but I've always been able to get out at least one post a week. And I've never wanted for material either. And, and, and I, I just, I want to thank God for the, the opportunity to blog and uh, to thank my readers for, uh, for reading my, my stuff and, uh, and for the comments and, and, and just for the opportunity, like I say, to be able to, to set my thoughts in order and, and to get them out there. That's such a privilege, such an amazing thing to be able to do. And by the way, you know, if, if you've ever thought about blogging, and I see this particularly, you know, to, to my, to my brothers and sisters in Christ, um, you know, there's a real lack of truth out there, right? In, in the media. I mean, we've, pro- we've all seen it, you know, we've all seen how bad the mainstream media is and, and all of the, um, how they distort things. People are, there is a tremendous need for truth. And, and, and if you're someone, I mean, if you've even thought, just maybe even just a little bit thought, well, hey, you know, it might be, might be interesting to blog. Do it. Don't stop. You can set up a blog for free. You can actually set up a blog and be up and running within, you know, probably at less than half an hour, if that. Um, it, it's actually very easy to do. And, you know, if, if you're not sure, if you have any questions about that, yeah, hey, Send me a comment or something like that. Send, you know, uh, put a comment in the video, uh, if you'd like. And, and I'll be happy to, uh, to work with you on that because it's actually pretty easy to do. And there's so much work that needs to be done. And, and so I would just especially encourage, you know, my fellow believers to get out there and get in a fight. You know, don't, don't let these guys that, that want to, you know, send out misinformation scare you off. Don't let all the censorship stuff scare you. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, the censorship is real. It's a real thing. I'm not saying it's not, but there are still wonderful opportunities for you to be able to speak the truth, uh, to write the truth, to get the truth out there. And we need more of that. I'm thankful for my health and, and for the health of my family. You know, I, I think, 
you know, and this is something I'm certainly guilty of, of, of taking things for granted. I, I know that I do that and, and I shouldn't. Uh, but yeah, I, I take things for granted. And you know, I just went and I had a, a checkup at the doctor. I guess it was about a week or so and got a good clean bill of health. And, and I'm thankful for that. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a great blessing to have that. I've had actually two people close to me over the past year have had very serious heart attacks. Um, heart attacks that, that could very easily have been fatal, but they were not. Uh, and I, I'm thankful that they have both recovered well and, and are doing well. I'm thankful for the health of, of my, my folks, my parents. And, uh, you know, they're, um, you know, they've got their aches, they've got their pain, uh, pains, that sort of thing. But, you know, they're, they're doing pretty well for their age. And, and not only that, but they're all not just physically, but they're there mentally uh, as well. And it's, it's a great blessing to be able to, to have them and uh, to have them uh, doing well. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful for my job as well. And, and <laughs> you know what, like one of the easiest things in the world to complain about is your, is your job, right? Oh, you know, there's too much, too much work going on. Oh, blah, blah, blah. I don't like working with so-and-so, or I hate this part of it or this, that, or the other thing and grumble, grumble, grumble. It's really easy to do. And, you know, again, I, I know I'm, I'm very good at it. I'm very good at, uh, at complaining. I'm not quite as good at, at, at giving thanks. So I want to just say that public, I am very thankful for my job and for the opportunity to earn a, an honest living, not just a living, but an honest living. And I don't have to lie, cheat or steal. Uh, you know, I can, uh, can do an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. And, and I'm very thankful for that. And, and the opportunity to have some health insurance and the opportunity to, to maybe do, to do a little retirement savings. Uh, I'm thankful for those things. And, and I know that, you know, in, in this particular time with all the, the economic upheaval that's been going on, and that's not something that's, that's the case for everyone. You know, and, and for those of you out there, I, I know that, that maybe there's some people that are watching or listening to this. Maybe that's been a, uh, maybe that's been something that's been difficult for you. And, and I, I pray that, uh, that the Lord would bless you and, and lift you up and, uh, give you an opportunity to uh, to find work and to to be able to have the the money for the things that uh, that you need and and that's you know God has promised you know if if we seek Him first you know seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things you know all that stuff you know the stuff that we seek you know the food the clothing the shelter all that will be added unto you and that's what Jesus said and it's true that doesn't mean that we're not going to have struggles in this life but we can trust in God to be faithful. Well, you know, that's, that's about, about all that I had here for today. Um, you know, as I said, maybe one closing thought that I, I, I was thinking about here is, is just, you know, in this year when things have been, there's been so much that's been negative. I mean, 2020 has been a tough year. Let's face it for all of us. And I don't want to sit here and be, be, uh, sound naive and say, Oh, well, it's, everything's wonderful because, well, I mean, there are some very tough things. Everything isn't wonderful. This has been a very tough year. It's been a tough year politically. It's been a tough year socially. Uh, it's been a tough year economically. And all of these things promise to continue. I don't see these things going away immediately. And it can be very discouraging and it can weigh on us. And, and, you know, one of the things that I find personally so frustrating is it seems like that, that evil people get their way. Now that, that's very frustrating to me. And I remember I, I was thinking about this. Um, a, uh, a pastor that I had many years ago, so it goes back about 30 years or so, 25 years maybe, uh, it was uh, Dr. William Hamron. 
and he was a, uh, a pastor, a Baptist pastor at a, uh, a church close to me. And I was, at the time, I was just, I remember I was at an age where I was, I was kind of, I was becoming interested in studying Christian theology. And he actually agreed to mentor me in theology. And we went through a, a systematic theology. It was written by Millard Erickson, who's a, uh, who's a Baptist theologian. And I would go and meet with him on Saturdays for about an hour. And, and, and we'd read through a chapter and we'd talk about it. He was super gracious to me. I mean, he was a very brilliant man, very learned man. He had a doctorate in theology. I didn't even go to his church. And he actually volunteered to do this for me. Uh, eventually, I did join his church, by the way. But, but at the time when I started with him, I, I wasn't. And, and he was incredibly gracious to me to, uh, to teach me. And he was really my first instructor in theology, and was somebody who gave me a lot of encouragement uh, to continue my studies in that. And I remember when he he retired uh, some years later from that, um, from from the church, and he retired from the ministry. He for a couple months he preached a sermon series on Psalm seventy three, and I, I've always remembered that. And, and Psalm seventy three is 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 a psalm that I think is really speaks to the experience of a lot of us. Because Psalm 73, it starts out this way. It says, quote, Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now, I think you and I have probably been in the spot of that psalmist um, probably many times. I mean, I mean, this is a very realistic thing, right? This is a very kind of a thing uh, for for our own time for this very day. You know, you you look around and it seems like some of the worst people are the people that are getting their way, and you say, "Lord, how can this be?" I mean, Lord, you're sovereign; you you're in charge. How can this be? I mean, it it, it doesn't make sense. But anyway, just to I don't I don't want to preach a whole sermon on on Psalm seventy three, but but the, the the long and the short of it is that the psalmist goes through his complaints and he sees how how well these these wicked people are doing. But then he comes to realize when he comes to the temple of the Lord, he realizes that those people who are doing so well now, well, they're going to have problems, and they're going to end up you know if if they reject God, if they don't repent, uh, they're going to be destroyed. And it's it's kind of a kind of a solemn thing, but he realizes you know the the end of the wicked and it's it, it's not a good thing, and he concludes the psalmist does by by praising God and he says, "Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God of the strength of God is the strength of my heart, and my portion forever." So, I mean, he realized, the psalmist eventually comes around to realize, you know, okay, you know, I, I've seen the wicked prosper, I've seen things that seem just unfair, and I get so frustrated with it. But he also knows that, that God will recompense those who practice evil, and he rewards, he will reward those who trust in him. And so I just would want to leave you, you know, I mean, if, you know, if you're struggling with things, maybe you're, you're frustrated with some things you see in the news, maybe you're frustrated with some things that are in your personal life. Uh, you know, if you're in Christ, you can have confidence that God is going to be there for you, that he's going to provide for you. And I don't know exactly what that means. I mean, there are a lot, of, you know, that it, that's, you know, how he deals with us in our own circumstances is going to be a little bit different. How he deals with me is not going to be exactly the same way he deals with you. Um, but his, his watch care is over you, and you can trust in him. And you can give thanks to him. Even in the times when things aren't going well, even times when things seem pretty dark, 
we can still as Christians give thanks to God because we know that he's faithful, we know that he's sovereign, and we know that he's good. So anyway, that's uh, about all I had for tonight. So thank- I want to just uh, say thanks to everybody for, uh, for uh, tuning in here to the live stream. I do appreciate that. I'm going to go ahead and save this audio. I'm going to post it out uh, to my blog as a, um, as a podcast as well. I'm also going to be posting it to Thorn Crown Ministries. So anyway, uh, as I said, thanks so much for, for watching. I do appreciate that. And I wish you and your family a very blessed and very enjoyable Thanksgiving Day. Good night, everybody.